lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged We took a week break last weekend or last week it was thursday it was uh, thanksgiving so we ended up not not having an episode and man i'm catching my breath i was just killing this fly <laughs> before the show <laughs> um yeah we had a fly swirling around here before the show and uh david and i decided to uh to kill it just in case it starts kind of getting on my forehead or something other other mike pence doing the democratic debate uh, or republican what was it the presidential yeah, the vice president vice presidential debate anyways how was your thanksgiving brother it's very uh, normal. normal. Well, not normal, but nothing special. I spent most of Thanksgiving weekend actually um, at the track, at different racetracks. That was good. My my Black Friday, I was at Apex Motorsports, this new, fairly new facility uh, outside Phoenix in uh, Maricopa. Very nice. We were invited there, me and my friend, and uh, I had a whole day over there. It was very nice. And then on Saturday, I went to a go-kart track to practice a little more beautiful time, weather, everything. So... It's very active. Um, yeah, so we have a full show today. Um, obviously, as you can see there, we're going to discuss mostly uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, as far as the e-commerce sales and everything else. And um, uh, then we'll get into a few you know, more current topics with the um, economy and stimulus packages and maybe Bitcoin and gold and some of the things that have been very uh very much in the news over the past uh i'll say week and a half or so a couple of weeks so um all right let's start with um black friday Saturday, monday amazon surprisingly or not so much how great numbers not surprisingly exactly record sales um it looks like amazon usually doesn't report um numbers for um black friday or Saturday, monday sales but according to uh different companies specifically in this case i'm reading uh, reports from adobe analytics which is a company that we use ourselves a lot for analytics and stuff they say that uh, resellers on amazon um, sold uh, goods that amount to approximately five billion dollars uh, between black friday and cyber monday no, more than that no no that's just this resellers okay oh, resellers resellers okay now amazon Global sales are um, what was that? Nine what, billion. What's their definition of reseller? A reseller is basically a third-party seller vendor. It's not Amazon okay. products. It's not okay, anything okay. else. But yeah. not necessarily reselling products, though. No, it's just basically okay. a vendor. So they mean okay. All right. Yeah, basically uh, third-party sellers. Yeah, and and that already there is is exactly third-party sellers, and okay. and that already there is a sixty percent increase over last year, which. It's pretty significant. I mean, remember that we, when they had the, um, um, you know, what they call the Prime Day, which normally, you know, would have happened in July, but this time it happened in October, I think it was. Uh, they already had record sales, obviously. And uh, we were kind of wondering if these sales were going to take away from the Black Friday and Saturday Monday and all that because people were buying early things that we would normally buy, you know, in, in the, for the holiday season. But it turns out that it didn't matter because they sold a lot on Prime Day and now they're selling a lot even more during Black Friday, Saturday, Monday. So 60% increase for resellers. That's good news because the Amazon has been getting a bad rap lately about, you know, how they take advantage of resellers and they knock off their products and all that stuff. But 
obviously by the numbers still is a good source for resellers as far as uh, increasing their sales. And uh, But then as far as uh, overall numbers, we don't have the numbers for Cyber Monday just yet. Um, again, Amazon doesn't report the numbers, so it's a matter of other companies trying to guess the numbers. But for Black Friday, we do have them, and that's uh, $9 billion just on Black Friday, which is also a 22% increase year over year. So those are pretty good numbers for for Amazon as far as, um, you know, just one day of the holiday season when we still have, you know, the weekend, Cyber Monday, and then all the days into into Christmas, basically. So any thoughts on that, Mr. David? No, it's just funny when you see these numbers. Like Shopify did $5 billion, I think, uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend. And then Amazon does nine on Black Friday. And it sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But then you compare it to China <laughs> on Singles Day, which just happened a few weeks ago. Yeah. And Alibaba alone, forget about the other marketplaces and the other, I don't know exactly what all those numbers were, but just Alibaba in one day did $70 billion in revenue. That's the thing that is. So when you compare it, it sounds so crazy. Yeah. Well, you have a market of 1.3 billion. Yeah. But also not all those people are buying, right? Right, China is obviously not as wealthy. Is is Alibaba just for China? It's or, majority China. Single, or is it all Southeast Asia? China thing. Right, I understand. But uh, but do they do uh, like like Black yeah, I mean, Friday started being a US thing, obviously, because it's, it's our day after Thanksgiving, but it became a global event. I mean, they advertise Black Friday sales all over Europe and everything else. I mean, they kind of right. globalize. Singles day. day is is uniquely <clears throat> Chinese. It's eleven eleven because they're very superstitious in that right. culture. Right, but do they do they um, do other countries? near China or Southeast Asia also. I'm not uh, sure. Honestly, do. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to know. But yeah, I mean, 70 billion in sales is a lot. Specifically, when you look at China, yeah, they have 1.3 billion people there. Not everybody's obviously uh, buying, but those who are, are buying quite a bit of, uh, their average purchase must be pretty high because the, in, in China, you have these people that are super wealthy and some people that are super poor. And there's almost like no middle class there. So the super wealthy must be buying a quarter bit. Yeah. The interesting thing is China is very quickly becoming, especially the wealthy side, the largest luxury market in the world. It's mm-hmm. not there yet. Right. But um, I was listening to an interview, this is probably a month ago, uh, with an executive at a, a luxury, uh, uh, actually, I think he was a consultant for luxury um, brands. And he said that, most of these brands kind of expect that over the next decade, by 2030 or so, that about half of all global luxury brand revenue will come from China. Yeah, so all the, all the Louis Vuittons and the Gucci's and all these huge luxury brands, they expect right around half of global revenue to come from China in the next 10 years. Isn't that incredible that um, I guess the Chinese are buying those luxury goods that are authentic and here we're buying all the knockoffs that the Chinese create for us. <laughs> all the fake, well, China all the has their, <laughs> trust me, China has their fair share of fake goods too, but they, uh, the, the Chinese consumer loves, especially American products, yeah. but also whatever we consider luxury in America, they love it too. And yeah. uh, they, they spend a ton of money on it. But it's not just the luxury goods per se, it's the lifestyle, like, like obviously Starbucks, growth is being majority thanks to China these days. Obviously, we have hotels and resorts that are 
even owned by Chinese uh, entities. Even companies Tesla, like Tesla, I was going to say. Exactly. Tesla, I mean, Elon already said that all of their growth, basically, if you look at their 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 uh, units sold as far as cars go, mm-hmm. they've actually kind of plateaued in US and Europe. They've kind of reached a saturation of the market. Now, they want to go further down market because their cars are still on the more premium end. They want to go more, further down market and then they'll have more volume. But yeah. as far as the Model 3s and S's and all those go, They've kind of plateaued. They're not. Re- they're growing a little bit, but they're not growing like they used to, where they were double sales every year as mm-hmm. far as cars. But in China, that's where all the growth is coming from, right? Basically, and, and, and he said, he's I think Elon heavily. said that. Um, I mean, he he expects something like a third of all Tesla cars to be sold in China in the next couple right. of years, right? And that comes with the the fact that China is finally trying to clean up their air a little bit and start getting into more alternative fuels and electric vehicles and all that stuff. So, uh, I don't think they care that much. Well, they 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 do at a certain level, obviously at the factory level. The pollution level. in China doesn't. The problem is not the cars. It's funny, but the funny, it's the factories. It's the factories, exactly. They do. Is like I was going to say, and they're not regulating the factories. No, they the factories are not for sure, and they're not even ready for that. But that that's. Um, that's the thing that they are starting to regulate more on the on the consumer side, on the road cars and everything else. But the factories are like a whole different dilemma, and um, and and that's another topic of conversation by itself because that's one of the reasons why you know manufacturing in China is cheaper just because they don't have to comply with any of those regulations and they don't they don't care basically. Um, and that's uh, anyways that's a whole different conversation. But sticking a little more to uh, going back to the Black Friday numbers. Um, you did mention Shopify. Shopify, obviously, is the is the, is a platform. It's not Amazon per se, even though they're competing with Amazon heavily. But uh, it's it's a platform for uh, I would say small businesses overall to to use to sell their products, which is kind of like being an Amazon reseller, but you sell through Shopify using the platform. And they also have record numbers, as you said, five point one billion dollars in sales. Even though the Shopify numbers are global, not U.S. based, but you know, majority of those numbers on on Cyber Monday or Black Friday through Cyber Monday for that four day weekend um, are based on U.S. Uh, sales because again, it's it's more of a American type event. Um, so so that's also the largest increase for Shopify ever, as far as and, and we know that Shopify has been over the last twelve months. I mean, they've done a lot. I mean, they have partnerships with um, Facebook, with Walmart. I mean, they're like, uh, now they're going to be um, integrating with um, uh, TikTok as well. So that just shows how both um, sellers and businesses are also looking for an alternate option, alternative options for them that is not just Amazon with their higher fees. They say, okay, we want more control. And uh, we want to use a platform that allows us to basically compete with Amazon under our own terms, basically. So... So that's that's a that's a good thing. Um, I don't know. Um, so you said Alibaba. Do um, Chinese people uh, do any Black Friday sales or anything in their in their? I other don't end? think. So. I mean, I'm not sure. I think I think the, their Singles Day is November 11th, and so that's their Black Friday, basically. Yeah. Um, that's when they have all their big sales. Okay. Um, so we're, all this is online sales, which we we obviously been talking about this since I don't know since the summer during the uh, during the pandemic. We said, okay, I wonder what's going to happen this year. Remember that we had these episodes about 
uh, what's mm. going to happen Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all that stuff, how sales were going to go. Well, this is the answer. However, unfortunately for, for food traffic, for the you know, uh, retail stores, um, that are um, the physical stores, basically, food traffic is down a lot. I mean, they were down like uh, 50%, I think, com- or 55% compared to last year. And on th- that's on Black Friday. And on Thanksgiving Day, which, as we know, I don't even know what store was open on, on Thanksgiving this year. I don't know. I think most of them chose to close. Yeah, I, think like I know Walmart said, did. I think did Target, Target did. On, on Thanksgiving? No, oh, they, they were closed. closed. Yeah. When normally they're open, Thanksgiving evening. Thanksgiving evening that they were closed. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that explains because they said that on Thanksgiving Day, uh, traffic at the stores decreased by 95%. Basically, I don't know, maybe some small stores had some kind of uh, food traffic or some special offers. But most of the stores, one, um, state restrictions, government restrictions, whatever, they basically didn't allow people to go out and shop. So they all advertised that it would be closed for um, Thanksgiving Day and then open Black Friday with a lot of restrictions too, which you know caused a fifty-five percent drop. So, but the the thing is that consumers are still buying basically. So COVID or no COVID, people are still want to buy um, you know merchandise, goods, or whatever. So if if they don't find the option to go physically to the store, they're gonna buy online. So later on, I like to when more numbers are available, I like to compare global sales combining retail store sales and online sales, adding them up and seeing if we are, uh, I'm sure there should be an increase in sales, but see if, it's, if we can compare it to last year's or years before. You know, basically even before it was like maybe 60-40 or 70-30 in favor of food traffic, and now everything is more online, but the global sales are still similar. You know, like basically instead of me going to a store, I'm just going to buy online, but I don't buy more or less. I'm basically can you just adjust it? To yeah, it? but I think I think total sales are going to be down. The total number? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be down for sure. You think it's going to be down? Yeah, definitely. Okay, because I mean, when you look at numbers for online sales that are up fifty percent and sixty percent, yeah, but that, keep keep in is mind, is that taking away from e-commerce? The last year was fifteen percent of all commerce. So for it to be up fifty percent, is not that much relative to eighty-five percent that was retail. Right. So yeah, e-commerce is now. Uh, depends on whose numbers you look at. Instead of being 15%, it's now 25%. So it's huge growth for e-commerce, but it's still not even close it's, to... It's huge growth of a smaller piece of the pie, right, basically. Right, exactly. Okay. Retail is still, despite the death of retail, the, all this, all these bankruptcies, retail is still the mother in the United States. It's still the big Well, one. but that's the point. If that's the case, then it's really bad news for retailers because unless they have a pretty solid presence online... Uh, to compete with the Amazons and all that stuff because Amazon is the big winner all the time. I mean, they've been a, the big winner throughout the pandemic. Um, so if these retailers are down, I mean, and normally this this 30 days roughly between Thanksgiving and Yeah, Christmas, but you know, I mean, if you didn't have e-commerce already in 2020, I understand. I don't have sympathy. You know, you should have had e-commerce in 2010. If you don't have it in 2020... You deserve to go out of business. Yes, that's your fault. That is true, and and obviously the bigger companies, but 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 even I mean, even um, Walmart didn't have a solid online presence until fairly recently, meaning a few years ago. Best Buy had to reshuffle the whole online e-commerce. Yeah, but Best Buy is an example of a company who actually said this year that you know yeah their sales are down, 
but they weren't hurt that badly because over the last five years, they've heavily invested in e-commerce. And because they did that, and then they were able to combine that with in-store pickup and the curbside pickup and all of that, that yeah, overall sales were down. And obviously it wasn't the year they were expecting coming into the year, but they're not like at risk of going out of business right. like a ton of other retailers and, were. And also they've adjusted as far as having less expenses. Obviously, yeah, of course. When, when there's two ways to to save money basically one is to spend less another one is to save more so so if they are selling less now but they are saving more that also compensates you know the overall bottom line so yeah that, that'll be interesting to see i mean i think i think this uh but but i'm not so concerned about the big ones like the best buys the walmart targets it's more the middle ground retailers that uh, like like mall retailers that we're talking about. If people oh a, malls are fucked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. <laughs> I know malls are fucked. So yeah. because all the all the anchors, if people don't go to Macy's and then department and stores. On, so yeah. there's types. You know, there's different types of retail. The department stores, the Macy's, the J.C. Penney's. I mean, Kohl's. Even I mean, I don't even think. Uh, I'm not saying they're gonna go away, but they, they're just they're they're. JC Penney got acquired this year. What was the price? Oh, nothing. It was like um, a few hundred million. Yeah, yeah. It was I mean, JC Penney is like used to be one of the sale, largest yeah. retailers, and yeah. they got sold. Well, for they a few they've million. been having issues for years, but yeah. I mean, the thing is, if if people don't go to the malls, to the shopping malls, with the big anchors, whether it's Nordstrom, Macy's, or yeah. whatever, then the other little stores that are in between those are losing a lot because they don't have a strong presence normally. Oh, that's you know as as big as the other retailers, and then they don't have that kind of traffic that is driving people to the mall. So, I think those guys are in bad shape. So, not just the malls themselves, which we already discussed many times, but also those small retailers that have all those stores that are uh, niche stores. Um, you know, in malls. Yeah, and it depends like that. on the store, but I think overall the malls themselves. The mall yeah. oh, owners, yeah. the yeah. real estate groups that own those malls, and the department stores are going to be the ones that are the hardest hit. Yeah. Um, especially because the department stores, um, I don't really know what the advantage of a department store is anymore. Because you have Amazon and all these online marketplaces, which kind of replaced or, or a digital version of the department store. Mm -hmm. And then in in physical it's like well the stores that people like are the apple store the nike store the lululemon store the brand owned stores and so where does the department store fit into all of this yeah i mean department stores were they started because they were one site oh no no no! i'm not saying why they started i get where department stores had their place in the past but I'm saying now in the yeah. digital age, what is the main benefit of a department no, store? No, it's like any other store. I mean, for for uh, consumers that still like to physically see the products that they buy, you know, that's what the department store provided, you know, and it still provides. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that are, you know, uh, modern consumers that buy a, a lot of stuff online, but they still like to go to a store and, and see the product. Right, but they would rather go to the brand store, wouldn't they? Uh, maybe it depends. The, the companies that have been doing best are the ones who have their brand stores. Yes. In yeah, fact, Lululemon this year continued to open retail stores despite right. the pandemic. Right. Why? Because they do really well with their retail stores. And that's a very exceptional brand, as of far as. Of course it is. But, you know, exceptional brands are the ones that win in this world. Um, 
Anyways, my point is, I don't think JCPenney is really going to make a comeback, is my point. No, I mean, that's a very... Or, or Macy's. But you or have the Macy's, the Nordstrom's, the Lauren Taylor already declared bankruptcy. I mean, there's a lot of them will just not make it, and it's just not worth it. Other, other ones are actually shutting down 50% of the stores in the U.S., so they go across the board and they say, okay, the, the least performing stores want to shut down, and those will not come back. But that's at the department store level, but at the, I mean, you go to a mall and you see... 20 little stores in between those big stores. And I don't know what's going to happen to those. I mean, their stores are selling. Yeah, I mean, those were already getting hurt too. Like Brookstone right. was a classic one. Remember Brookstone or yeah, yeah, Sharper yeah. Image? Or all, yeah. Those went out of business, you know, a while back. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but again, it's about adapting. And I think a lot of those kind of niche stores just got killed because people buy that stuff online now. You know, like yeah. now you have websites like uh, Touch of Modern that is basically a digital version of, mm -hmm. of Brookstone. And yeah. Touch of Modern is doing well. And yeah. Brookstone's out of business. Well, yeah, but their Touch of Modern is more like a, my understanding is like a portal where they send traffic to right, but, other places. But it's it's just a changing of business models. Yeah. You know, business model innovation matters too. And if you keep trying to force an old business model onto a new era where it doesn't work, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another data, piece of data that I was looking at right now when it comes to Shopify is, which basically applies across the board, but two-thirds of the sales came from mobile devices now, which is nothing that nothing new to us, and we will already see that um, for pretty much any type of uh, e-commerce transaction or anything that is related to um, transactions on the internet, whether it's for travel or anything. Uh, but now it's, the bottom line is that people are more and more comfortable performing transactions online as opposed to do the research on the mobile or something, but then ended up going to a, to a desktop computer to actually put their credit card and other stuff. Now, all these stores, and in this case, it's uh, Shopify numbers, two-thirds of their of their purchases happen with through a mobile device directly, and then only a third of them, like 32%. I think okay. it's the opposite now. I actually don't like buying things on my computer because the best thing about the phone is like with Apple Pay, takes two seconds. That, that's true. Yeah. The convenience of the payment. I mean, yeah. I don't um, have to pull out a credit card. I don't have yeah, to do anything. I mean, I don't things. think, I don't think I ever. Um, or obviously if you're on Amazon, they have your payment info saved. Right. Obviously right. it depends on who you're buying. Like with ShopPay, uh, Shopify has your payment info saved if you've bought it at Shopify stores before. Mm -hmm. So it's just very convenient now. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other thing I'm looking at is the, the average um, expenses or the average purchase value of um, consumers around the world for Shopify is around a hundred dollars, you know, for, for yeah, the I was looking, it's funny cause they have their global, um, they had this yeah. tracker Little they tracker. always do every year. Yeah. And it was consistently, I looked through the whole weekend. Um, I, it was like, it was typically around one to one and a half million a minute in sales, Yeah. but then it peaked at 3.5 million, mm -hmm. but consistently I was dividing yeah. the dollars versus basically units sold Purchases, yeah. and almost consistently, no matter how much was being sold per minute, it was just under a hundred. It was like $95. Well, I mean, I give you the numbers value. they have in the U S it was about 89. Well, actually not about, it was 89, 20. Um, in Japan, it was 106.40, which I don't know because they are, uh, the economy is screwed up there. In Australia, and this is all converted to US dollars, so we're not discussing or talking about Australian dollars or anything. In Australia, it was 105. In Canada, it was 103. Um, 
So I'm sorry, the US was ninety two. Uh the okay. global average from all, all countries it was under ninety dollars. So yeah, it's very much in the one hundred over and under. That is as much as e commerce has progressed, that right there tells you almost everything you need to know about the state of e commerce right now. Right. Because ninety dollars being the average purchase price is pretty high. Um and the problem of e commerce consistently is that because of the fulfillment necessities, selling low ticket items, unless you're doing massive volume, just doesn't make sense. Because uh, if you're selling something that costs, let's say $10 to fulfill an order, uh, and then but the item itself is $10. So really, you have to charge 20 for something that would cost 10 in a retail store. It just doesn't make sense. And that is the biggest thing holding e-commerce back from really exploding. And I think the solution to that will be the last mile delivery. Um, as Now, what JCPenney was rumored to be bought by Amazon, it didn't end up happening. But um, now you see like Postmates and DoorDash mm -hmm. partnering with retail stores. Right. Like DoorDash partnered with Best Buy now. Uh, Postmates is partnered with Walgreens and, and other uh, mm -hmm. uh, companies. I think that's the solution, which is how do you get these lower ticket items? Like if you sold, if you sell something that in a typical retail store is like ten or fifteen dollars, but because of the size and weight of it, it's right. going to cost you ten dollars to ship. ship. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to sell it online, and right. that's why you see average order values still that high. Mm -hmm. So that's where the innovation still needs to come in. And that's really what's holding e-commerce back is that really to sell anything with less than like a $30 average order value, unless it happens to be something that's very small and light, um, is just incredibly difficult to be profitable. Anybody in e-commerce will tell you, you should shoot for at least like a $40, $50 average order value because that's mm -hmm. how you find real profits. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing massive volume. But obviously if you're a startup, you're not doing that. Uh, but the other thing I was just looking at numbers again and, and uh, we just said that uh, Shopify numbers globally were 5.1 billion. And also the, it looks that the average order value um, or the average purchase combined from all uh, buyers around the world is about a hundred, a little under. So when you divide the five billion by a hundred, basically you have like fifty million uh, consumers that bought. Yeah. Know. Well, that's the other thing. But e-commerce is still pretty much exclusively for upper middle class and right. wealthier. So the, so the lower middle class and and, and poor. Uh, people in in different countries don't buy on e-commerce because right. it's out of their price range, and and sometimes they don't even have credit cards to pay and things like that. No, I mean, beyond that, the, I mean, the even cash if they consumer have cards, is obviously not buying online because even not, if they have cards, it's just that things are more expensive in e-commerce. Yes, they you are. You pay for that convenience. Right, right. Um, but the the bottom line is that we're talking global sales, worldwide sales of 50 billion consumers buying online on Shopify compared to what you just said for Alibaba. I mean, to sell 70 billion just in one country, that tells you... If and they, in one day, not right. over four days, in one day. Right. So, so at $100 per user, that would be like 700 million or 100 million uh, people. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was uh, higher average order value. Hover, sure. oh, exactly. It has to be higher because I know that, or we know that, like we said, in China, in China the, the demographics are very, very uh, different, you know, between the very wealthy and the very poor. So the, the very wealthy the, spending a lot of money, the but wealthy, they're not that many. The wealthiest 
5% of people in China, which is a lot of people, 5% of, of 1.4 billion, 1.4 billion is like 60 million people. Okay. That's a lot of people, right? Those people are incredibly wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, like I think we, people still kind of think of China as like a secondary. No, like, it's not a developing country. I mean, it's not developing, but not as wealthy. And it isn't per capita. It's not as wealthy. Yeah. But the top five percent of Chinese people are incredibly wealthy. I mean, these people are worth. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but if I were to guess, I mean, these people, uh, oh, they're, oh. they're 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 spending expendable income fifty grand a year. Yeah, they have more more not per capita, but millionaires and billionaires that any other um uh billionaires the u.s is still number one billionaires i don't know but millionaires and hundred millionaires they have quite a bit and obviously it's hard to it's hard to know those numbers because they're not you know revealed or anything but, but yeah the, the the upper middle class and higher in china is incredibly wealthy and yeah. obviously if you're top 10 percent in china that's 130 million people it's funny they call it Singles Day because I think it doesn't matter if you're single or not, right? I mean, everybody it's, buys. Because it's like their Valentine. It's kind of strange how they do it. It's like it's 11-11, which yeah. is one 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 one, and they're very superstitious in, mm -hmm. in, in Chinese culture. And uh, so it's like that. It, they call it Singles Day, but then because it's that, it's also like their Valentine's Day mm -hmm. and their Black, like all this stuff in right. one type okay. of thing. So um, yeah. it's just different. It's in their culture, but it's basically their Black Friday. It's a, it's a shopping yeah. day. All right. They so don't have Valentine's Day there. It's like it's like if instead of on Valentine's every year of being for couples, it mm -hmm. was for single people. Right. Right. But obviously, it's for everybody. It's not just for that. But yeah. So speaking of sales, I, I we should have a Singles Day here. I know. What the heck? It's only for people couples. Valentine's Day is the worst day if you're single because you just feel lonely. Oh shit. And then. <laughs> Why don't we have a singles day? Well, uh, get two lonely people together and then they're uh, hooked up for one day. You know, that's fine. Um, maybe you should make an app for Valentine's no, singles. No, you know what the best strategy is? You need is, to do though. an app that is Valentine's single days without a partner. You and should then just get together for one day so you celebrate and then split up again. No, no, no. The best strategy maybe actually, if you, have, if you have a girlfriend, is the week before Valentine's Day, you fake a fight and kind of break up with her. And then the week after Valentine's Day is over, then you get back together. So yeah, you don't I, have to spend a bunch of money. On no, Valentine's it's even Day. worse. Then you have makeup gift, which is <laughs> even worse, or, or makeup something else. And it's even worse than Valentine's. So, bad idea. Um, I'm going to edit that out. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. Um, yeah. Um, anyways, speak, speaking of uh, the, the top selling items. I, when I, is the holiday where the women have to pay? That's the holiday that I want. Father's Day or I whatever. Want, I want the holiday where women have to buy the men gifts. Why don't, why don't I get gifts? I like stuff too. Well, I don't know. I want chocolates. Where, my, chocolates? where are my chocolates? <laughs> where are my, uh, where's my jewelry? Yeah, that's right. You want an engagement ring or something? I get, I'll take a nice watch uh, for sure. Okay. Listen, guys like flowers too. Buy me a rose. Guys, guys, the problem with guys is that they buy their own gifts. They don't wait for anybody to buy them for them. They just have an excuse and say, I bought this. Just make it my next birthday gift. But I will just have your birthday. Next one. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just... Anyways, um, so it's the, uh, the, uh, the top selling items this year, I know last year that you guessed them. And we were kind of cheated because we were talking about this before the podcast. But uh, yeah, last year I guessed it accurately. I was pretty proud of myself. It was a weird. I this I year I did not guess it. I know it's funny because they they didn't have any any item that I thought it was gonna be a top seller. But anyways, this year one of the top selling items was actually Barack Obama's 
biography. I've never seen a book be a top seller I know, like me that. neither. And I don't know why. Surprising. I mean, I guess it's the timing because this year is also an election year and the timing of his the release of his biography. But um, yeah, I didn't one think the, that many people read. I know. I was thinking too. It's like we Americans have the lowest reading percentage per capita that I ever heard. I mean, you never see people reading a book. I don't know. They read a lot of internet and phones, shit and stuff. But uh, they don't read books. And all of a sudden, Barack Obama's biography, A Promised Land, is like the best-selling book. And the best one of the best selling items through the uh, through the uh, Black Friday. So I like I to see all these people pays to be a president. I, well, Former definitely. President. What was his worth? There was the couples uh, Obama's worth many, like three hundred millions of dollars. I think now. I read that their their uh, net worth now is up to three hundred and fifty million or something. It's like wow. It's not bad. I want to I want to be president just for the the years after being president. You know, forget about the Secret Service. You know, uh, for life and all that stuff. Anyways, that's one of them. And then the other one is the uh, Amazon's own um, Echo. Dot uh, the the uh, I think the new one is like a little ball or something instead of that flat one over there, and then um, and then hair products. The other one was the Revlon One Step Hair Dryer and Voluminizer Hot listen, Air Brush. Listen, even in that's a like pan- a, even I don't in even a know pandemic, what that is. People still care about their hair. I know, but that's like but especially listen. Even if you're on a Zoom call, the thing is, from the waist down, you can look like shit, but your hair has to look good. Yeah, well, I didn't even I have my bad hair too much this morning. But no, seriously, it's like Revlon One Step Hair Dryer and Voluminizer Hotter Brush. That's like a sophisticated element. I don't know what that is, but it's basically well, one of the. It's because you have very short hair your whole life. Yeah, but it's just like a, for that being the uh, specific brand to be one of the top selling items, that's pretty unbelievable. So let's switch over to um, another topic that we. Um, gonna talk about frequently and it's you know we discussed all these sales and how much people are buying and spending money where is this money coming from we are in a situation where we've been under a pandemic for nine months now approximately and then unemployment has been the highest people are like laid off work businesses are closing uh, companies are doing bad because nobody's moving we're restricted as far as where to go Salaries are, uh, a lot of people are on furlough, whatever. How come we're spending so much money? How come the uh, savings rate can be still above average? I was just looking at statistics. It's not as high as it was back in April. That was the 30-something percent, the highest ever been. But we're still at 15%, which is higher, like double what it used to be before pandemic. So if we are not making money and saving higher, more money than normal, where is this money for shopping coming from? Or why is... Uh, so you want to know the secret that most people don't understand about economies and uh, the famous Pareto principle? The majority of spending and the majority of earning in any economy comes from the top 10 to 20%. And if you look at the pandemic, the top 10 to 20% of Americans did very well this year, actually despite the pandemic, because even if uh, businesses in certain areas were hurt, a lot of businesses actually did really well. The stock market didn't give a shit. The stock market just flew. Well, that's, I think that's one of the reasons. Uh, if, basically, if you were in the top 10 to 20% of Americans this year, if, if, if it weren't for the pandemic, right? If you were just looking, if you, if you let's say, 
took a bird's eye view and you were just looking at your personal uh, finances and didn't know anything about what was going on in the world and you're a top 10 percenter in America and you just see your personal finances, you'd probably think, oh, this is a pretty good year, quite frankly. Well, I mean, I have a couple of theories. One is, as you said, stock market. And so, but, but let, me, let me finish. The top 20% of Americans, <laughs> well, the basically the upper middle class and, and beyond do the majority of spending. Uh, like in the same with e-commerce. But that's usually the case. Right. No matter. But you say, where's all this money coming from? Well, obviously you have, there's a lot of factors, but what is the Fed stimulus? What does the Fed uh, uh, push? Okay, well, the Fed obviously puts a ton of stimulus into uh, bank lending. In, they're directly buying shares of companies, which is unheard of. Right. They're buying corporate bonds. They're basically helping the stock market. That's all they care about. They want the stock market to keep going up. Well, who owns stock in the United States? Poor people do not own stock. Wealthy people do. Uh, people with 401ks and then the rich, those are the people who own stock. And the people, and those are majority the top 20% of Americans. The bottom 80% of Americans, maybe some of them do, but even if they do, it's a very small amount that doesn't make a material difference in their lives. Um, so the top 20% of Americans own the majority of the stock in America. Um, and then on top of that, depending on where you work, uh, your company may have done really well. If if you work in tech, this is a great year for you. I mean, if you were it, tech companies did great this year. In fact, they did better than they would have had there not been a pandemic. Tech did, but uh, there's a number. If over you work in look look at us. I mean, in, in e-commerce, e-commerce did phenomenal this year. Yes. We the truth is as bad as it. I I don't take any kind of uh, solace in saying this, but like. Like I did well this year just because I happened to work in an area where things were good, you know, not saying that I would ever wish for this to happen, but like, frankly, I did well this year when I know a lot of people didn't. And, and we did well this year just because we happened to work in a sector that benefited from a pandemic. Right, but those are obviously we, we, we have a, a few exceptions, but my point is that overall, all economies in the world have taken a huge hit. I mean, the debt... Uh, to GDP ratio is as right, high but, as it could be. But this is a case where the rich got richer and the poor got Yeah, absolutely. Poorer. That's absolutely. my point. This but, disproportionately hurts, not even the poor. I mean, poor is one thing. Just even if you're middle, middle class, class yeah. lower the middle, middle class. The middle class that was moving towards the yeah. upper middle class are now moved back to the lower middle class. Yes. But, but the thing is, a lot of people in the service sector and all that are basically... right. Small businesses uh, killed. So a lot of people that have investments or retirement accounts on 401ks, yes, their 401k has increased in value probably about 20% this year or more. Um, but again, it's a 401k. Unless you're retiring, you're not, you're not supposed to remove or withdraw money from your 401k unless you have a necessity, which maybe they are. But that's basically money that you will have more when you retire. So, but your take-home income has decreased, so they don't have that kind of money now. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I, I think one of the reasons is that the confinement has also made people Plus, indirectly save money. If you if, if if you were used to going once a week to a restaurant or going once a month or whatever to a weekend trip or look whatever. Look at it very simply like but, this. If you have a job where you can work from home, you probably did all right this year. Yeah, sure. Maybe your your uh, uh, 
style of living wasn't what you wanted it to be. But at least financially, you were pretty secure if you can work from home. But all the people who can't work from home because their jobs <clears throat> are inherently physical right. got totally fucked. Right. And my point so, is those are the people who are hurting. But at the same time, the the kind of harsh reality, pandemic or no pandemic, is that the server at a restaurant is not the person who's spending a ton of money on Black Friday. No, but that's part of the uh, that's part of what I call or, or is called the, the velocity of money. You know, you, you spend a dollar in a restaurant and then that waiter or waitress has this dollar to go and buy something uh, Best Buy, and then that Best Buy employee can buy something, and then go to a restaurant, and I mean, it's movies, money starts moving. Right now, if but we're if, you look at if we're just let me let me know if you're bus, just buying something, and I go to Amazon, that money goes to Washington State or whatever Amazon headquarters and it stops. It's not there's no moving money. True. Well, I mean, there's no moving money moving around in different situations where I pay you for this and then you have money so you can buy something else and go somewhere else and then you buy a coffee. That's not true. Then, I mean, first yeah, of all, Amazon this year hired half a million people. I know they did because they didn't have, they, they, they had to because everybody was buying that. But by virtue of Amazon hiring 500,000 500, people, like you said, in the last, you know, nine months or whatever, um, that means that other businesses were not hiring people. And the people that Amazon hired is not like top level people. They were warehouses, um, shippers. Yeah, but you're comparing them to a server at a restaurant. No, I'm just giving you an example of, of how money moves. And the only thing I can think is but, that the person that is normally working, and now, like you said, they're working from home, they're not spending money on gas or clothing because they can work in their shorts and pajamas or whatever. They're, you know, put a background for Zoom or something. They're not spending money on going to a restaurant, um, having, you know, like a normal happy hour thing. You know, normal social life that people yes, will usually so, have. So all that money is being saved now. But again, you're talking about discretionary spending. Yes. You only have discretionary spending if you're making enough money to cover all of your bills every month and then have a bunch of money left over. If you're a server, if you're a warehouse worker, if you're any of these people, you don't have a lot of discretionary spending. So that kind of theory breaks apart. The majority of your money goes to paying your rent, your electricity, yes. you are a your paycheck car to paycheck person. You're paying your loans, right, your rent, that's, your stuff. That's when you talk about the, I, I don't know the exact percentage, but I would say a third at least of American workers. Well, well that's my point. Those so, people, they're not the ones who go and spend $300 on Black Friday normally. So uh, that's my point. So is these numbers that we have here, are, are there, like we just said in China, you know, 70 billion in revenues is because the top 5% are spending all that money yeah. and the rest. It's the same is, here. Is the same thing here now? Yeah. That we're having this illusion that yeah. the economy is not doing I, so bad I can, and the stock I mean, market is up in record I numbers. I don't know what the exact number is, but if, you, if I had to bet uh, I would I would completely bet that the top 20% of Americans, like the 80-20 rule, top 20% of Americans did 80%, if not more, of all the spending on Black Friday. It, the, and that's always the case, by the way. That's not unique to this year. That's always the case. Right. Because they have discretionary spending. If you don't have discretionary spending, if basically, if you make... Uh, you know, whatever. If you're a top 20% of America, let's say you make uh, 200000 a year and your expenses as far as mortgage, car, all that is 80, okay? And then you have 120 grand left over, obviously taxes, whatever. You still have a ton of money. If you're making 30 grand a year, you have no discretionary spending or you have very, very little because you need that money just to pay for your car well, payment, your rent, all the basic shit. What I don't get 
is that you move and of around. Course people I drive around. Debt too. The other thing is when people of lower middle class do have discretionary spending, a lot of times it's debt. It's not actually that they can afford it. Well, but that's the thing. The savings rate, unless people are having a lot of debt and savings, which is I don't know. I didn't see the... I don't know how the savings rate is calculated. Is it calculated on a median or an average? Because that's a big difference. No. I mean, it's it's, it's the... uh, I don't know. It's the number from Statistia, but it's basically... um, Personal saving rate in the United States from June 2015 to October 2020, and uh, uh, it doesn't give you specifics. Uh, personal saving rate in the United States was 13.6, down from a higher 33. Uh, saving refers to strategies of accumulating capital for future use by either not spending a part of one's income or cutting down on certain costs, basically savings. So Yeah, so the savings rate could have increased, I'm sure it increased for a lot of people who used to work in an office and now work at home. Well, I mean, it peaked in April when it was the beginning of the pandemic, as we know it, like people were freaking out after March and right. saying, okay, so, we're yeah, going to start saving. Say, and then once all, things start, the, it, the stimulus it, package In bad came. times, people save more. I mean, you can, this is just known. Anytime you have uh, some sure. type of crisis, no, uncertainty. people yeah. stop spending. Right. And right. that's when the majority of the layoffs started to happen. And then also on top of that, all the people who now work from home, who don't commute, who don't go out for lunch every day, who spend less on clothing and makeup and all these things, that's savings too. But I don't know if that's, when they say the savings rate, I just don't know how it's calculated. I'm not denying that it's not true. I'm just saying I don't know how it's calculated. And I'm sure the majority of savings, again, went to the top 20% of Americans, not the bottom 80. That's my point. Mm-hmm. So, so, but the thing is, um, again, the other thing that I don't, I would like to see what is, you know, what I read versus real life. And obviously, uh, we live in Phoenix. I don't know how we compare it to the rest of the country. To be honest, the pandemic here has been very relaxed i haven't seen many restrictions i've seen obviously stores closed and all that stuff yeah i mean back in april but as far may, as mobility april may was definitely yeah i mean the, it was everything was closed and the streets yeah but were we active. were never here restricted to go out on no it wasn't a hard lockdown in that sense but yeah i mean right. all the restaurants and stuff were closed. sure but by july everything was back right open again. so right now if you drive anywhere in phoenix i mean it's no oh different. yeah yeah restaurants are full Restaurants uh, are pretty yeah. full. It's, it's um, traffic is a mess like it used to be, you know, with normal rush hours. Like people are going somewhere. If they're going to our offices, I don't know what they're going. Gyms are open. I mean, yeah, everything here is, we don't have a lot of restrictions. Yeah, I mean, no. there's there's nothing that you can see. Oh, we're in a pandemic. I mean, yeah, people wear masks when they go inside loosely too. But um, all of that is like, okay, I don't see that. So, I, I, you know, something is just not... To me, something just doesn't doesn't mesh, you know. Like I see all this, oh, the economy is doing bad. Where where uh, are we in a completely fake economy? Where <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean seriously. I mean, if if I if I if you come from nowhere and I throw you in the downtown Phoenix or any other major city, I mean at least here is what we yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it and I say, like, hey, Phoenix keep is in mind open, that- but LA just yesterday said they're going full lockdown again, like hard right. lockdown. Right, understood. And, now, and- I don't know how much this is going to be enforced because apparently a lot of like the LAPD said, we're not going to enforce this. Like, we're not going to tell people to go home. We don't care. And they, and like they were the closing thing. beaches and stuff again. They said, we're not going to do that. You yeah, know? and now we come with the holiday season. They said restrictions, no gatherings. You know, we, we had Thanksgiving just last weekend and they said, okay, they're recommending people not to travel. The CDC said the same thing. 
it's one recommendation. It's not like saying, okay, do not travel. I mean, you go to the airports now that are pretty full. Uh, you drive at the airport. There's a lot of cars going in, a lot of cars going out. People are not listening to the stuff. So either we are or we're not. And at the same time, stock market is in record highs. Uh, we're still, you hear on the other side, oh, Americans desperately need a stimulus package. Okay, we're going to print more money to give it to Americans. But it doesn't seem like Americans are, I mean, if they were like, I'm desperate yeah, to go I out. Yeah, but I think you're not look like I said, you're looking at the stock market is completely unrepresentative of the economy. No, but that's why I'm saying that I'm looking at the street market, okay? And I don't see Americans that are like in a restaurant saying, oh, shoot. I mean, restaurants are actually more expensive now. They have surcharges for COVID yeah. cleaning shit, whatever they call it, okay? So I've been going to restaurants, a number of them for a while, and I know they're more expensive now because they charge you because now they have to wipe up the table with this whatever antimicrobial thing every now and then and all this they pass it to the consumer so they they increase their prices 10 15 percent just out of the box just just to to cover their expenses for extra cleaning thinking okay well you should be doing that kind of cleaning before too it's nothing new i mean just disinfect the table after every customer you know so i'm not talking about wall street that's one thing that we know is just okay the the, the fed is even buying everything but main street is what i'm saying that i don't see americans being like holding on and not going out or anything because they don't have cash and we need another stimulus package. It's like, they're saying, oh, it's going to be real bad for Christmas. It's like, okay, well, we're, we're, people are buying online. People are going out. Restaurants are full. Traffic is a mess. Everybody's filling their cars with fuel, shopping, this, that. Uh, what, what is not working there? Because I don't see a difference now between uh, November, December 2020 and uh, maybe January 2020 before the pandemic. World buying, shopping, you know, restaurants, and all that stuff. I don't know. Something just doesn't, doesn't. Well, there's one big difference. The Fed increased the monetary supply by 40% in that time. Yes, that's exactly. They, they printed 40 cents for every dollar. Yes. In eight months. I understood. But that's insane. It is insane. The only reason we uh, don't. The, but the thing is that the, they still want to do more. We would have. I mean, if we did that in a normal time, we would have hyper, hyper inflation. The only reason we don't have that is because it was counteracted by the deflationary cycle of basically mass unemployment and complete GDP drop over the last six months. But as it recovers, as things go back to normal, as we have a vaccine, as we have more testing and basically things go back to normal in 2021, that inflation is going to kick in. And then trust me, when the thing that you were used to buying that normally costs you 10 bucks is 15 and the thing that normally was $100 is $150, you are going to notice that. No, no, I completely, I completely get that. And I know it will happen. And, and there's over and the restaurant that, that normally you go to and the average plate is $20 and now all of a sudden it's $30, you are going to notice that. Right. So so as, on, as, on, as we're talking, you know, we're still here, Pelosi and McConnell it, and all that stuff. Mind, talking a lot of economic, th when you have such a massive economy, it's not like reactions are instant. Okay. It's not like the Fed prints money or, or the, basically uh, 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 provides massive stimulus in shady ways and that you instantly see results from that. It's, it's, it's a lot of times these results are delayed. You know, the the peak of the mortgage uh, corruption in the in the 2000s was in like 2005, 2006. Now, the economy didn't collapse until a few years later, but 
those effects are already happening. No, I get and that. My point is, we're not seeing necessarily the hard hyperinflation effects yet. But, you're but by 2022, no, I understand that. we that's, will. That's inflation. Uh, we understand that. But, uh, but I'm just talking about. But let me. You let said, me, do we live in a fake economy? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, then, where are people spending their money? I mean, how are they getting the money to spend? Because if I go to a store and it's pretty full, if people kind of about if they are restricted from going physical to physically to a store and they buy online and they spend, you know, ten billion just on Amazon in one day and all that, so people are spending money, but credit again, cards, like whatever. Said, and, that's and now, the- and now, basically, we see that. Uh, Congress, basically, Pelosi and McConnell are getting together for a one trillion stimulus for more PPC, PPP loans and more stimulus and more unemployment um, um, uh, allowances and uh, for people that are obviously unemployed. But, okay, well, if we have such a big unemployment issue and you're sending $600 a, a week or a month or a week, actually, to, to unemployed people, or maybe they're reducing to five or four or three or whatever, we're basically paying people to stay home and they're spending that money. So where we're really disagreeing that we could have done that better. But I'm saying the the broader you say looking at Black Friday spending is not a good gauge of the economy. Is my point. I'm not looking at Black Friday. I'm just that's just an example that we have right now. I'm just looking at every day Friday or every Monday looking at the streets. I mean Yeah, I, but do you live in a poor neighborhood? No. Do I live what? Do you live in a poor neighborhood? No. Okay, so you don't, when you're going out in the streets, you're not living in a poor or lower middle class neighborhood. No, I move around the city. I mean, I go to all kinds of neighborhoods. Now, there are cities like New York that is basically fucked. I mean, all the hotels are closed, the stores are closed, and then they have a, more issues. I mean, there's still a lot of places that are closed. But that's the thing, that it, it, it's almost like a state-by-state thing. Some states decide that, oh, things are fucked up, we need to close everything for whatever political health reason, whatever combination of both. And some words they say, no, we're fine. You know, I mean, even, even in sports, you see the same thing. I mean, the NBA had the bubble, super restrictive, whatever. The NFL is like, oh, no, we're fine. You watch Dallas Cowboys game, it's like stadium is like quarter percent of 25%, 30%, 40% full. I don't know, whatever the numbers they are. Nothing happens. You go to other ones that are completely empty, you know. And then uh, some teams have all these cases and they push the game. Oh, we're going to push the game to two days or maybe three, maybe four. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, everybody is doing their own thing, you know. So um, I, I just think that we we lack this cohesiveness as far as, uh, you know, knowing exactly what we are. I honestly don't understand with my knowledge of how the economy works. I don't understand why our economy is working now. Why our our market, for one, obviously, I understand that part, that is record highs. I mean, we weren't probably going to have a record high if the economy was fine and we have it during COVID. Because <laughs> yeah, they pumped trillions yes, into it. Yes, exactly. So, so I understand the Fed is... Did you, I mean, look at corporate bond yields. They're at zero. Yes, no, I understand that. They're but, at zero. But let me... Companies can borrow for 0% interest. If you're a big corporation, you can go get a $5 billion loan for 0% interest right now. Yes. That's fucking crazy. Let me, let me, okay, so another topic that you are, you are very knowledgeable about. That's okay, so, so another, um, by the way, get out of corporate bonds if you're into it. Another, not financial advice, but I, 
wouldn't be in it. Another element that is hitting records now, as you know very well, is so, uh, some of it, you know how the famous uh, like treasury bonds they call it uh, uh, risk free return. Like yeah, yeah. Well, the corporate bond, the good joke is it's return free risk. Yeah. Okay. Um, very good. <laughs> you didn't laugh at my joke. Um, well, some serious not a joke for some people, but uh, let me ask you about Bitcoin. Okay. Yes, this is going to be probably our maybe final topic. Uh, so Bitcoin is also hitting record highs, and this is probably what you said. Who buys Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a very restricted asset. We know there's a limit number of, and we had a whole podcast about cryptos and everything else. So Bitcoin is restricted. Twenty-one million. Uh, 21, right? Million Bitcoins that will be issued at some point. We're still at 18 million or something. Um, and now it's almost just under, I mean, it's been hitting under 20,000 for a while. It went down over Thanksgiving. It went back up, right? Today is about 19.5 or something. Uh, but it's, it's as high as it's been in the last three years. Yeah. So, however, yeah. However, gold, who's the safe haven when things go bad, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's higher than it was in June, but it's, it, it reached a peak about a month and a half ago at about 1950 or something like that announced. And now it went as far down as 1700 also um, during Thanksgiving. Now it's up to 1800 and change or whatever uh, announced, basically $1,800. So when Bitcoin prices go up, it's because people, there's more demand and there's obviously a limited supply. So... Again, if people don't have money, how come they're buying Bitcoin or are just the, the same wealthy people that yeah, are invested course. in Bitcoin? Of course. Because you think, <laughs> of course, who do you think is buying Bitcoin? No, I mean, I just basically, uh, I'm giving you an overall question of who who is buying Bitcoin. I mean, I know of a lot of people that have little money that put a bunch of money into Bitcoin just because it was their their bet. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you're broke and you're um, buying Bitcoin, I mean, I, that's not... Back, back in the... In, in, you know, three years ago, 16, 17, when Bitcoin had the all-time high back then, we know of students that were buying Bitcoin. Yeah, and, and okay. If you have anecdotal idiots... No, 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 no. That's, that's not anecdotal. That was a lot of It is anecdotal. It's, okay, yeah. Were there some idiots who took a huge risk and lost? Yeah, you know, people go to casinos and lose a bunch of money every day too, okay? I, I can't speak to individuals who are dumb with their money. I'm talking on the mass. Okay, well, how do you know Bitcoin that now there's not a bunch of idiots that are doing the same thing? Do you have a uh, an account of who's buying Bitcoin uh, these days? Because back then there, yeah. we found out about the idiots when when Bitcoin went from eighteen, nineteen thousand to six. Yeah, because then we found out a bunch of idiots were basically you know, paying for their college education with Bitcoin, and then they were in freaking heavy debt. Yeah, because so how do we know that that's not the case now? Let me finish. Yeah, I'm just giving you my case, but yeah, I mean, listen, people, listen, <clears throat> kids go on fucking Robinhood and trade options with leverage every day. Okay, nobody's saying shit about that. So people are always going to do dumb things with their money. I, I can't control that. That's not, that's not an argument for or against any financial asset. Uh, if all, In 2017, when it was at the peak of the hype cycle and getting massive coverage everywhere, and everybody thought, oh, this is get rich quick, very similar to the dot-com bubble back in the day when a bunch of people lost money in the dot-com bubble, you're always going to have things like that. If people want to take crazy risk, listen, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. If you're broke and then you're taking out a $10,000 loan to buy Bitcoin, that's probably pretty dumb. So, so But if, when you look at Bitcoin, that's over $350 billion market cap now. No, the broke college student is not the majority of that. Okay. In fact, it's less than 1%. 
Okay, the majority of it these days, one of the reasons why it's growing so much is because institutions with billions of dollars are buying Bitcoin. That's what moves the market, not fucking college kids. So why, why? Okay, I understand that. But why would PayPal now say we're going to start taking Bitcoin as, as a trade currency for our platform? Because that's not the rich people that go to PayPal and buy and sell shit. That's for the average person. Sure. That's for the that's for the sure. younger guy that says, "Oh, I, I have I'm talking, one." Uh, you're talking about what moves the market in Bitcoin? What moves the market in 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 any market in any highly liquid market? The whales always. Well, yes. you have the market makers in the stock market. Yes, you have I, it. I, I mean, know the majority that, of Bitcoin is owned by large funds. Plain and simple. But so they're the market. But movers. for PayPal and, and companies yeah, like that to decide, well, we're gonna start accepting Bitcoin as a currency. Okay, so uh, institutions are not gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna buy this uh, little gadget, uh, pay with PayPal, and pay with my Bitcoin. That's for the average consumer. They're making yeah, it more they're mainstream. To, PayPal. Why does PayPal do that? Because PayPal is a business, and they always need to adapt. The truth is, you know, if Bitcoin succeeds, you don't need PayPal. Um, so it's exactly. kind of a, it's kind of like a PR play almost more PayPal than PayPal is almost like but, another wallet, basically. But but no, it's not a wallet. That's for it's sure. not. But I mean, yeah, you can have your money there. Sure, but the gonna, point of a wallet is to have no, it not controlled by a third party entity, well, especially PayPal. For God's sake, PayPal is one of the worst. I know. I know. I know this. I know PayPal, PayPal will but basically they're acting like that. Ways. They will say, okay, you're going to pay uh, with your credit card A, credit card B, or this account, and they're going to say, oh, or your Bitcoin, or your Bitcoin funds, yeah, or Ethereum. Because they do, they do that because they take a fee. Right, I know. To I know, but when PayPal does it's because they see the benefit. Sure, and they say, okay, well, Joe Average is not going to have a Bitcoin because only these very wealthy investors have it, so why PayPal? No, right now, the majority of... Uh, right now... I would guess less than 1% of the uh, American population owns Bitcoin. And so the positive side of that is, well, look at how uh, much Bitcoin has grown despite the fact that 99% of people do not own any. You know, what does Bitcoin look like if 10% of the population owns Bitcoin? You know, it'd be massive. But uh, what's your kind of question? What was my question? Yeah. No, I was just wondering, again, because like why did talking, Bitcoin go up this year? Is that your question? Or? No, why did it go up? No, this year, why did it go up so much in the last 60 days? Because you look at the chart of uh, Bitcoin. Like I said, delayed effects. I mean, things don't always happen like that. Just because something, ha the peak of the mortgage lending was in 2005, 2006. The crash didn't happen until 2008, right? So things don't always happen instantly. So... Peak inflation was probably over the summer, and then it took a few months before Bitcoin started going up. And your question comparing to gold, I mean, Bitcoin just has much higher beta than gold. Bitcoin is is, uh, you know, bef earlier this year's market cap was at 150 billion. Gold's market cap is somewhere between seven and ten trillion. You know, so the amount of money that needs to be put into Bitcoin. Is to move it high percentages is much less than gold. Yeah, I'm gonna show you the. Uh, this is the Bitcoin chart, right. or a year to date. But if you look at the last, right, I can three months. Right. That's basically my question. Um, where we're talking about liquidity and all that stuff, and yeah, this yeah, is go back. Yeah. Uh, this is basically how Bitcoin has raised. So I was wondering who's buying this. And a, lot a, lot of, of a lot of people, but the majority is institutions. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, 
you know, Joe Schmoll buying one or two Bitcoin is not moving the market. The market is moved when well, there's a bunch of Joe Schmoes, then he's moving. the Yeah, market. of course it matters. But but the truth is when BlackRock comes out and says we're thinking about putting uh, billions of dollars into Bitcoin and you have a lot Paul Tudor Jones saying, yeah, we own one percent of we put one. No, I, I get that. And Citibank, right? say, so, and Citibank or, or City saying, uh, uh, what's the Citibank or? Their analysts, yeah, yeah, they said three hundred thousand price yeah. target. I don't know. I, right. Analysts know, say a lot of who things. Who knows when? But yeah, I mean, when you have a fund, when you have large funds that then say, "Oh, we're going to put a percentage of our money in Bitcoin now." Well, when you're a huge fund, a small percentage is billions of dollars. That's what moves the market. Now, I'm not saying that a bunch of individuals can't, but it's no different than in the stock market. Listen, ultimately, the funds move the market. The funds control the market. It's that simple. All right. Um, and then as far as compared to gold, it's just Bitcoin is a much lower market cap uh, uh, entity than gold is. Very simple. And gold is up a lot. Like, like gold is up a lot for the year for what gold is. Gold is an incredibly involatile asset. It's supposed to be involatile. It's supposed to be an inflation hedge for the most part. That's what gold is. And so gold is right. up. How much is gold up for the year still? Like 30%? Uh, that's a ton I wouldn't say 30 it's probably more like maybe now, now it used to but now it's probably down to 20 but yeah it's still even up even that is still a lot right and I think gold is going to go up even more but, but when people that, that when, when when you look at the uh, and I'm just giving you I'm trying to uh, to understand people's mentality as far as the economy and security and feeling safe with their money and all that stuff so when you see Bitcoin going up and gold in the opposite direction at the same time it means that people people used to buy gold, like you said, for like a safe haven, saying, okay, well, so much inflation, the Fed is printing dollars like crazy, all that stuff. I'm going to have some gold that has some value. And then gold started going down. That makes that people are basically selling gold because they say, oh, well, things are not so bad. I don't need that much gold. I can, my dollar is going to be buying all that stuff, even though the dollar is much weaker now. Yeah, but you can't. The you're you, you're over-focusing on short-term price movements. I mean, gold well, being I mean, down a little bit over a few weeks, is, it means nothing. I mean, things move up and down all the time. Well, it's not so much over a few weeks. It's that at the same time that Bitcoin and the market and everything is going up, gold is going down, where the dollar is also going down. The dollar index basically is down. The dollar value is down. I actually follow the dollar euro exchange, and we're saying always that the euro is not going to last. Well, now the dollar trades at 121, 122 with the euro, when it used to be like 110. Uh, six months ago, so we've basically lost exchange value with the euro for whatever reason. Obviously, because we're printing so much money that there's so much availability of dollars right now. So, uh, but I'm just trying to see what all that happens for a reason, you know. So, uh, not always, not in short term. Well, there is randomness to the market, you know. Just because something goes up a little bit one day and down the next. That is honestly, for the but most I'm not part, talking irrelevant. About one day, I mean, we're, we're seeing we're seeing that growth over three months. So, I, I, my my bottom line is that people are spending money that they don't have. That's basically it. And for them to do that, they must be feeling safe, mm -hmm. even though. Uh, maybe they feel safe because the future, we have the vaccine coming, we have all these other things. They say, okay, 2021 is around the corner. 2020 has been shit. We're just going to forget about it. Today it's going to go back to normal. 
Maybe that's the case. Maybe they say, okay, vaccine is here. We have three, four companies that say it's 95% safe. Uh, we'll have to just take a shot on something to go back to work or to go back to airplanes, to go back to hotels, to go back to whatever. You know, so maybe that's the case to say, okay, fuck it, we, 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 we missed 2020, we got some money from the government, whatever, and now we're going to go back. If that's the case, that's fine. Maybe that people feel safe, and then if I feel safe, I spend money because I know I'm going to make money, and then I'm going to be able to pay my debt. If I don't feel safe, it's when I start saving money, thinking, oh, fuck, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, that's just normal human psychology. So I think the reason why people are going out, restaurants, and this and that is because, hey, they feel safe, healthy, as far as the oh, coronavirus, I don't it's fine. It's not so lethal. I mean, I may get it, whatever, but, you know, whatever. They just kind of care less about it. And B, they feel like if they spend the money, it's not going to be such a big issue. They're going to regret in two months. That's that's my psychology of money. Uh, people are feeling like it's fine to spend it. And if that's the case, that's fine. You know, I mean, I'm, I don't have any other explanation for for people, you know, uh, that's why I kind of in the beginning I said I like to see the total numbers. So yeah, we know people are gonna buy online. That's more common because we've shifted the the scale to buying online more than before. But when we look at the global numbers, are we gonna be way below uh, consumer confidence for buying online that we were a year ago? Uh, I'm sure, like you said, maybe yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to wait for that. So all right. Um, any other comments? Um, uh, no, gold versus Bitcoin. This I'm so tired of this like debate. It's just two different assets. No, I, I don't want to compare gold and Bitcoin. No, not I just mean. you. Lots of people are always yeah. comparing gold and Bitcoin. Listen, gold has been around for thousands of years. Gold isn't going anywhere. Gold is a great hedge, okay? Gold is a great hedge hedge don't buy gold if you're looking to quadruple your money okay because unless the world's fucking ending it's not gonna happen okay and even then i'd rather world not end and my gold be worth less than the world end it's just and my funny gold that be a lot. people that but so compare bitcoin is 10 years old gold is ten thousand years old very simple bitcoin is worth i mean now it's worth more but still bitcoin's market cap is 300 something billion Gold is somewhere between seven and ten trillion. Okay, so yeah, gold is not gonna double. No, and like I said, unless the world fucking ends, gold isn't doubling I like that. That's the case. It's, it, not gonna... it's not gonna move like Bitcoin will. Bitcoin has the opportunity. The only question is, will Bitcoin take a chunk out of gold's market cap? Honestly, maybe. I don't think so, though. Not in a know. major way. Yeah, I don't think people will sell gold to say, "Oh, I'm gonna sell my gold and buy Bitcoin." I don't think. I don't think people are doing that. I mean, the, you have... Um, it may happen, but quite frankly, I just think we're going to have so much inflation that it doesn't matter. Yeah. That it doesn't matter. I mean, I think the I think get ready for 5 to 10% annual inflation in the United States for so the next decade. You don't believe that we're ever going to go back to the gold standards as some of these groups are? Not unless... There. I mean, never say never, but not unless there's some major regime change mm -hmm. almost really i mean quite frankly regime change is what it would take to go back yeah. to a gold standard oh, globally not just in one country yeah i'm talking the u.s like yeah i mean you janet yellen yesterday was talking about like using the treasury to benefit like like racial segregation I, I don't know what the fuck she was talking about <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why why now all of a sudden that that 
Treasury Secretary. I mean, and these the Fed people are the biggest are like fucking liars. Yeah. She's talking about how um, basically low, like I was saying, lower class, low, lower income, and and lower middle class were disproportionately affected, and a lot of those people are minorities, and so minorities were disproportionately affected by the pandemic. And I said, yeah, but you are the motherfuckers who pump up the stock market and do nothing nothing for the lower middle class so i don't want to fucking hear it it's your fucking fault when you do massive inflation no, she wasn't her. she's gonna fix it what benefits it with inflation what goes up in value a lot real assets okay stocks real estate all these things what gets hurt people who have majority of their money in cash and don't own hard assets who are the people oh, that have who can't we can't afford to buy who any. can't afford to buy assets who are right. the people that don't own assets i know i always Poor say that it's like, it's like so i don't janet yellen you can take your your oh minorities were disproportionately affected and you can shove it up your old crusty fucking ass okay, janet dude. yellen <laughs> seriously i don't want to hear any of that shit David. these people are crooks alan greenspan janet yellen all these people should be in i know jail. but that's the thing like, like when you it's like if, i always say 500 I always say, years ago these people would have been hung in the streets for their crimes and now they get the cover like, of atlantic it's like, it's magazine like you only be paycheck to paycheck and you don't have a penny to spare and somebody says hey you can buy this mercedes for a thousand bucks fucking smoking deal it's like i don't have a thousand bucks so then no the, the wealthy guy is gonna buy I mean, a smoking deal i wouldn't buy mercedes that's why wealthy... as an investment mercedes are well, probably okay i'm just giving you an example but, but, but the point is that all these deals do not help people that are living paycheck to paycheck yeah, of course they don't help him because i don't care how cheap things are if i don't have money i don't have money i can buy it whereas the richer people or the wealthier people are the ones who can take advantage of buying this but not only that, sell now not at only lower that. price because of when you whatever. have massive inflation and all of your money is in cash and all of a sudden you're yeah, used you're to spending a thousand dollars a month on this certain thing and now that thousand dollars a month costs 1200 a month but you're still making the same amount of money you get fucked yeah, uh, very simply. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I know I'm being kind of harsh with my words, but I'm so tired of these politicians. And then on top of that, you have the governor of California and the mayor of, of San Francisco going to the same goddamn three-star Michelin restaurant that costs $100 a plate. And then the mayor of Austin, did you see that? No, he, Austin. The mayor of Austin a few days ago, he gives a video speech saying people need to stay home and stay confined. You know where from? His Airbnb in Sabo, Cabo San Lucas, where he flew on a private jet with his family to get there, but he's telling people they shouldn't travel. All these people can go fuck themselves. Bad mayor. That's it. <laughs> so what's going to take to go back to a gold standard? What's going to take to have sanity in this country? Re regime change. Fire everybody, literally everybody. So you don't think uh, you don't think Biden is AOC comes out and creates a Shopify store and has a fucking sweatshirt that says "Eat the Rich" and it costs sixty dollars to buy the sweatshirt. These people can go fuck themselves. That's the answer. So uh, hold it, calm That's down. That's my rant so of the day. You think? Yeah, I'm gonna definitely make that a highlight. Uh, you think? Uh, so you think? Clip it. You think? You think Biden and uh, Kamala Harris are gonna be able to fix this? They don't care years? about you.
They don't care about you. I know they don't care about me, but about the rest of the country. They don't care about you. (laughs) They care about power. That's all they want. They want power. And they'll say anything and do anything to get it. They don't care about you. Just tell Biden not to play with his dogs. He broke his foot. He's going to be on a boot for a while. He's going to be recovering. So, anyways, David, thank you for... And um, both sides, by the way. Mitch McConnell doesn't give a fuck about you just as much as Kamala Harris, just as much as Nancy Pelosi, just as much as fucking Dan Crenshaw, who's supposed to be the next great conservative. And he's like, oh, we should go have more wars in the Middle East. That's what we should do. They can all fuck themselves, both sides. So, so um, by the way, the elections are not really technically over yet. I mean, as we know, we, we have it kind of uh, uh, Trump hasn't considered yet. And we still have two major Senate uh, seats in dispute or going to runoffs in Georgia in January. So we'll see what happens with that. So anyways, enough of a comeback for us after a week off. I think David had like tons of energy, man. I don't know what you have for breakfast this morning, but it just gave you all this. Uh, it should be a sponsor, whatever it is, because it definitely worked. Um, I'm not going to ask you you have anything else to say because I said that I'm 10 done. minutes ago and I'm you done. just basically I'm gonna go, I'm gonna this go. thing is off the charts it's in the red it's like crazy I'm going to go uh, meditate after this you are I think okay. I need to. You get your app and if it works that's going to be a southern <laughs> alright guys uh, clearly uh, I'm an example of meditation working <laughs> yeah we'll see after um, anyways this is it for today um, thank you for uh, listening watching you are all the way to the end uh, good for you if you are not you just missed this is why you should stay till the uh, end because yeah. the best stuff is always in the last like 10-20 yeah, minutes the, yeah it's the climax <laughs> alright uh, thanks guys and uh, we'll definitely be back next week if um, somebody doesn't come and cuts Davis head or something alright we'll see you soon enjoy the weekend and uh, talk to you soon <laughs>